0: Hello, and welcome to the Cleopatra's Bling podcast. I'm your host, Olivia Cummings, founder and designer of the jewellery brand, Cleopatra's Bling. Each episode, we take you to meet someone whose work, study, creation, or simply life ethos inspires the world of our collections. We invite you to come along on this journey as we meet the makers and thinkers whose contributions have shaped the handmade jewellery we create and the lives we live while wearing it. Our guest today is more often referred to by the charming Monica Blooms, which she uses as her Instagram handle, at Petrina Blooms. This cheerful gardener is as riotously colourful and funny as the wild and varied flowers she tends to in the
1: green expanses of her suburban Melbourne home. In terms of selection, I love all the English flowers and the bulbs. So yeah, and the seeds, and I grow most of my flowers from seed. And then, my husband does love natives and the birds do, so I have a bit of a selection for them, you know, the sort of princess trees and grasses, because, you know, I think they can live side by side. It's
0: these flowers that Petrina Burrell handpicks and sells as part of her sustainable floristry practice. In signature pale pink overalls, you can find her in a garden that Design Files has described as a narnia, frolicking amongst pastel petals and deep green fronds. Well, thanks for coming to my apartment slash office to talk about flowers. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. It's a weird Melbourne day weather-wise. We're in the middle of, well, almost the middle of December and it's sort of like I'm wearing a jumper but I'm not quite sure.
1: Yeah, it's very Melbourne. <laughs> it is very Melbourne. <laughs> I think we had the um thunder this morning, all the rain. Thunder, yep. Poured rain and um, now the sun's shining. <laughs> it is.
0: Good boy Alfie and we're sitting next to Alfonso the poodle who has a bucket on his head because he got desexed so...
1: Good boy. Alfie wants to be on the podcast. I know. And he can't work out why he's got this thing around his head. It's all right, honey. It won't be there forever. You've got to have a sleep now, okay? You're going
0: to have a sleep? (laughs)
1: He's so (laughs) cute. Big yawn. He's adorable. (gasps) Good boy, Alfie. Yeah.
0: You can just listen along. (laughs) So where did you begin when you started building up your gardens?
1: I'll probably start at the Northcote house. So we had this tiny little single-fronted weatherboard in Northcote just down on the Merrick Creek. And it was a native garden, so I had lots of natives and my husband absolutely loves natives and I love an English garden. So I think what happened one year is I bought a few bulbs from a market, put them in the garden and they came up that spring and I'm like, oh, wow, let's do this again. And so I then I went back the following year and instead of putting in three, I honestly put in at least a 1000 <laughs> really <laughs> yes it was crazy but I thought look more is more is more and I pack them in the smaller space so this tiny little garden and a, just this concentrated patch and there was no order there was ranunculars and freesias and tulips and I just put it all in and it was just a joy and it really helped me because just prior to this to see you before that I'd been an air hostess flying the world so cabin crew and I lived in Dubai you know, I've always, always loved flowers and they've been with me on my journey. You know, we came home, we came home to settle and to start a family and that was a real challenge. So I think, you know, I went into the earth and that's what I did. You know, the more I couldn't fly, the more I went into the earth and the more I got my hands in the dirt and that's how I kind of managed both worlds, if that makes sense. love that. So did you completely redo the garden or did
0: you keep elements from the previous owners or tenants?
1: We redid this one. Yes, my um, husband made these beautiful wooden lily pads up to the door. So you were walking along kind of this sea of lily pads to get to the front door and then filled it with natives grasses for him and in between all the English bulbs all throughout. And then this white rose called a Lamarque Rambler and it's a beautiful tea-scented rose, one of the old-fashioned roses. I I planted that by the water spout so it was getting constant water and then every October it would climb up and go around the house. So that was a joy and wisteria because I love the being able to look up into flowers. So I planted you know, baby wisterias and I grew those for seven years and that was a joy too. And it was a riot. It was like this little patch of Northgate that was a riot because I think it was so unexpected. Yeah. "Ah." (laughs) Did you notice people walking by looking? Yes, many people would stop and it was just so unexpected. And it's like, what's that crazy lady on, you know? (laughs) (laughs) You're on flowers. Yeah, she's on flowers. And um, I find them to be really healing. They just make people happy and you can just give them away. You know, flowers make people happy. It's just instantaneous, this joy, which I just love, you know. I love that. Yeah.
0: It's so beautiful. So we were talking before we started recording about the symbolism of flowers and how that's something you want to delve into a bit as your work in flowers continues. Why have you been sort of drawn lately to that?
1: I'm really fascinated in the meaning of flowers, what's behind the flowers and, you know, the history of flowers. They're thousands and thousands of years old and i'm really history i'm very interested in the, the history of them and and their meanings and then how they've changed over time so you know victorian times they had their own language around what flowers meant mm. And even anything from like, you know, when you received a posy, if it was given to you from the waist above, that means you were accepted by the man as opposed to him delivering the posy to you lower, which means no go. Um, But it was a way they would communicate. So, you know, yellow roses were given for friendship or forget-me-nots to, you know, please don't forget me. And over time, the meanings have changed and depending on what culture you're in as well. And I would love to explore that more in my work, and then, of course, because everything I grow is in the seasons, I would have to tie that in to mm. the seasons. So recently we lost a dear friend, a dear school mum, and I, I did the flowers for her coffin and it was beautiful. It was like a pink spring garden, English garden full of roses. and But all through the base I sprinkled forget-me-nots.
0: That's so but beautiful. But also
1: seeds, dried seeds, yeah. pods. I just thought it was beautiful, you know, they were dropping. So as they were carrying her, seeds were falling, they would scatter. Yeah. And I thought that was really important, just with the cycle of life. life. Yeah. Yeah. And hope, because she had little kids. She, you know, she left really little kids behind. Yeah. Poignant. Yeah, beautiful.
0: What I found since moving to Warrandyte, And dealing with a lockdown basically where I had four seasons mm. and then sort of trying to work on our garden, mm. which is difficult because it's, you know, Warrenite soil, it's like clay. Yes, yes, um, yes. How seasons really play into gardening mm. and mm. how I think probably through our cultural disconnect from the seasons, mm. people may not realise how big that is in gardening and when you plant a garden.
1: Yes. Have yes.
0: you noticed that your whole gardening sort of schedule yes. is planned around seasons and have you found any seasons to be particularly more
1: challenging? Yes, very much so. Um Having lived in Dubai, that was the first thing I noticed coming from Melbourne to Dubai, there were no seasons because it's just hot, really hot, maybe a little less hot, you know, and that was the first yeah. thing I noticed and I would celebrate you'd be able to fly to Germany and you would see the snow and you'd be out in the snow real winter. And then you could go somewhere and celebrate an autumn. And I would choose my trips for the seasons. If I needed cherry blossoms, you know, I would head to Japan. So I would fly to find seasons because I'm something I, I, I love. It's one of my passions. So in terms of gardening, I had to settle somewhere where I could experience all those four seasons. My absolute dream would be to have snow in winter. I would love all the extremes. But Melbourne's nice and cold. We get some frost, so I'm not complaining. <laughs> yeah. So in terms of gardening, I love the elements. Autumn is when I do all my bulbs, put all my tulips in, my ranunculus, my anemones, daffodils. And I always have the fire burning in the back garden because I love the elements, you know. So I have my fire pit going, and my hands are in the dirt, they're in the earth, the days you have that beautiful long light in autumn, and I just love the colour that the sun gives at the end of the day, and then in my mind, nothing more beautiful than coloured trees, you know, and how they just change and the oranges and the reds and and the gold. Just to think that we have this beautiful planet where the trees actually change colour is quite amazing. You know, it's quite incredible. And that's when, for me, my season really begins. So putting everything into the ground. And then comes winter and it's a fabulous time in the garden to do all the things like cutting back. You know, people say it's a quiet time for gardeners. It's actually a really busy time, I think, because you're pulling out all the dead leaves. You're giving everything the new chance and the best start it can have for when it starts shooting again in spring. Mm. You're helping the soil. Everything's asleep, but I I kind of add a bit of this and that to the soil. Cut things back. You know, I think there are always jobs to do in winter. And it is a bit easier on your back because you're not down in the ground, you know. Yeah. And last year I needed more space, so I cut up half of our lawn (laughs) to create garden beds. I think my family got home and they're like, wow, mum's gone full crazy. (laughs) Yeah, so having said this, we have moved to a new home. We moved to Ivanhoe and we moved there for the garden. The land was much bigger. How big is your garden? It's 690 square metres, of which I've cleared an awful lot to make room for the flowers. And it has established trees all around the outside of the property. Um, it has a 60-year-old wisteria. Oh, my god! Which is just from heaven. Yeah, come springtime, it's just a joy. It's like a carpet. You are looking up into a carpet of purple dancing flowers. And when the wind blows through it as well, it just, you know, this movement and textures and that. colours. Yeah, it's gorgeous. So the seasons, yeah. So the spring and then the winter with the fire. And then comes spring, the best way to describe my garden would be It's just a riot. It's just everyone's up at once. It's like, here we are. It's a riot. (laughs) It's like, whoa. It's pure joy. I have a lot of people come visit, which is fabulous. They're just shocked. You know, it is a shock. It's so unexpected. And there are eight to 10,000 bulbs planted each year. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. What did your husband say when you told him this was your future? Uh, (laughs) He loves me. He thinks I'm crazy. (laughs) He's a psychiatrist. (laughs) (laughs) Um he doesn't mind. He said, you know, he thinks it's a he he calls it my what is it, my fabulous madness. <laughs> Love that. Which is great, yeah. And it is. It's it's been a place for healing. You know, I think gardens are really important for healing. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. And also just to see
0: something through. Because you can't start and then not finish what you're doing. Like I've noticed, you know, the plants need attention.
1: Yeah, that's true. I suppose it's just become an extension of who I am. So I don't even really notice it anymore, but I do. I start every morning. I take my coffee into the garden and I walk around and I, you know. Check them out. Yeah, say hi to everyone and, oh, look at you, you beautiful thing. You've woken up or, oh, you know, something's happened to you. Or, and I do, I start the morning and I end the day in this beautiful space that gives life, and, yeah. That's yeah, the best.
0: They're quite vulnerable too obviously. And we've had quite a few sort of
1: crazy weather events lately, like the big storms Mm -hmm. and all of that. How do you bounce back from that? We have this attitude from mum that my my brothers and sisters, we were all brought up with, you know, and she would always say, it's just the way life is. You have to play the cards God gives you. So if something happens, you can't do anything. It's out of your control. You move on. You know, so a few days ago when we had that storm come in, and I came home and I'm like, oh, hang on, my crepe myrtle's looking. Oh, 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 actually, well, okay, my crepe myrtle snapped in half. <laughs> it had fallen, like, it literally split in half. Oh, no. And, um, and there's, I mean, there's nothing I could do. I tried to save it. I've, I've, I've taped it up and pushed it back together and I'm seeing if it takes again. I put some honey in there to see if that would help. So, yeah, so there are many, and many times possums will come and just like a lawnmower and eat the roses. But, you know, I think that's it as a gardener. It reminds you to be mindful of of life, you know, that we're all fragile. To me yeah. it's just a great an extension, like a metaphor for life, that, mm. you know, things come and go, tomorrow is not promised to us. The seasons are like life. The flowers grow like life. They come and they go. Yeah, that's lovely. Especially in a pandemic I think it's been a great time
0: to do gardening.
1: Yeah, and I... I want to start my own little garden. What do I do? You know, Or I have started my own garden. Or I've got a veggie patch. Or, you know, I want to create life because mm-hmm. everything just stopped and boundaries changed, everything changed. Yeah. And I think people found a lot of certainty and that was one thing that we did have. We knew the sun would come up and we could watch plants grow.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's exactly what I did. I spent all my money.
1: Because I've been doing this quietly for 10 years by myself with the kids putting in as many bulbs and madness. And last year through COVID, I had a girlfriend say, and I've been a florist all my life as well, just casually as a passion. And I had a friend say, you know, can you make me a bouquet? I said, yeah, sure. And I made her a bouquet. And then she posted it on Facebook. And then I had a million people asking for bouquets in COVID because people were wanting to give Mm. and wanting to lift people's spirits. And I think a lot of people also got into gardening in COVID. Because we couldn't do anything. You know, we were trapped in our homes, essentially. And the amount of people who said to me, oh. In COVID that I was spending. Yes, yeah.
0: On plant stuff. Right. out in garden. Yes, pulling out in garden. Delivers to Warrantyte, for Fantastic. anyone listening.
1: <laughs> <laughs> They're fabulous.
0: Yeah, yeah oh, and so I, I just kept that. kept going. And my partner was like, wow, you're really into it. And I was like, see ya, I'm going out <laughs> again. <laughs> it was great. You mentioned solitude, like that you've been doing it you know, on your own. Mm. Do you associate gardening with solitude or do you see it as a joint collective pursuit?
1: I think that's a really good question. I'm, I'm an extrovert, a real extrovert. I love people. I love connection, you know, and I, that's why I love being an air hostess, like give me a room full of strangers any day to love. And but I all love that. all be your best friends. Yeah. After. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And then gardening is so opposite to that. You're right. You're by yourself But I also find it's a space where I can lose myself. Mm. I go into the garden and I forget myself. I practice mindfulness. You're so busy in the moment watching your rose grow or watching the flowers grow or what jobs you're doing, you're ticking off in your head. I find the time goes quite fast gardening. But then I'm grateful that my end product, which is flowers, I can then go and give them to people and connect yeah. with people. So that connection side I need, which is through the flowers and through the giving. Mm. So that's how I kind of weigh, weigh it up because you are by yourself a lot. Um, but it's also a fabulous chance like to listen to some podcasts. I got into space recently and all the different planets out there And so I think I value even more. Oh, my goodness, I realise how unique our planet is. Like, there is nothing like our planet. Yeah. As far as the eye can see, with all the technology and as far as we can go, hundreds of thousands of light years away, there is nothing like it. So mm. I said to my husband the other day, "I'm so grateful we live on this earth. I'd be, you know, I'd hate to live on Mars. Couldn't plant bloody anything. Yeah, <laughs> nothing would grow. So you don't think there are aliens on another planet growing things? I hope there are. Good luck uh, to them. I'd like their tips. <laughs> be possibly, awesome. there could be other life. It just depends on what form it is that you know, whether it's maybe we can't see it to the human eye. Maybe we can't. It could be a different dimension. It's all exciting. <laughs> I feel like you
0: should have a segment in the Gardening Australia show. Oh, I love it. That'd be so much fun. Just had a vision. Yeah, I would love that. We could talk about space. And <laughs> <laughs> so I'm also a beekeeper. So part of my pursuit in lockdown was to create mm. a really abundant garden for the bees, yes, yes. especially that undi- Like I've got one hive at my parents' mm. house, which is in Q as well. So they've right, got yeah. – urban beekeeping is yes. extremely easy compared to more rural beekeeping, which right. is kind of counterintuitive.
1: Right.
0: You would think, oh, the further the humans are from the bees, the better. Yes. But actually the effort we put into our gardens mm. really benefits the bees. Yes, yes. So when you're making your garden, do you ever think about making it a safe space for bees and birds and nature.
1: Very much so. So my dad was a beekeeper as well and we grew up. And he would suit up in his white suit and get out his little puff of smoke and, and yes. go in, you know, to get his bees. And then the, my neighbour across the road is George and he's 82 and he has keeps bees. Is he Greek? Yes, yeah. he's beautiful. Sounds George, a beekeeper to yes. me. Yes, like, and he gives <laughs> me lemons and he calls me Patricia. Whatever you want, Patricia. You know? <laughs> and bless him. So I um, help him weed because he's getting old now. So it's very community minded, and then he's he's like, "You take my lemons," but we always joke that his bees come to my garden I'm for sure dinner, they do breakfast, lunch, and dinner, and then they go back for his to make the honey. Yeah, so they we, travel five kilometers. So I don't think across
0: the road is that far. From oh, them. really, five kilometers? Wow. Yeah. Wow.
1: But I, we love the bees. We love the bees, and my daughter and I, you know, this year they they would get stuck in the tulips, so they would go in, and you could hear them. And they were, so we went, we went on bee patrol through spring and we're releasing them because they get covered and drunk in pollen, but they couldn't get out, bless them. So we would just be peeling back flowers so they could get out, which their was gorgeous. Little, with their pollen pants on. Yes, yes. So we always leave water out for the bees, you know, and just make sure it's definitely the bees and birds. You know, that's one, some of the feedback I got when I'm recording my flowers. They're like, oh, the birds everywhere. You know, but I think if you build them a beautiful space, they will come. Yeah. They will come.
0: Yeah. We have mm. a lot of birds in Warrandyte and they love my blueberries. Oh, yum. Yeah. Yum. So I'm like, look, at this point, we'll just have to plant a few extra. Yes. Because <laughs> that's just, what I do. I'm just like, saying. Surplus for yes. us. And that way we're yes. sort of sharing because you can't
1: really stop them. You can't. And same with possums. That's my theory as well. So the possums would take out my roses. So I just plant more. Yeah. And that's the only way I can manage How it are you so. stop them? Yeah, I can't, exactly. So and they've got they're hungry too. You know, they've yeah. got I've let they're the little cuties. I've watched them, they've got nests. I've got four possum nests in my tree beside me, a little ringtail, and they build like this little house for them to go into. It's beautiful. And they've so been there cute. forever. They were there before I came. And I've just watched their family and their little bubbers. But it's great. They deadhead for me when I can't reach the roses. So i like, I was trying to work out the other day how to deadhead this rose that I have that's just finished flowering and it wraps itself around the entire front of the house. They do it. And I said to Addie, my little daughter, I have you noticed there's not one head left? So they were really, they were kind. They let them flower and then they had all of them for dessert, the dead ones. <laughs> that's so amazing. <laughs>
0: Um, So many people who work with eco-friendly gardens rely a lot on native plants, Mm. but you obviously have a sustainable garden and you have a wide variety of different species of plants. Can you tell us a little bit more about how you select
1: Mm. your plants? Yes, yes. I don't use any nasties to begin with. I don't like snail bait or anything like that. I, I let nature really control my garden. So... In terms of selection, I love all the English flowers and the bulbs. So That's true. Yeah, and the seeds, and I grow most of my flowers from seed. And then my husband does love natives and the birds do, so I have a bit of a selection for them, you know, the silver princess trees and grasses because, you know, I think they can live side by side. And then little things like, so no chemical approach. So, I, you know, I mush up my eggshells to just try and stop the snails or I put coffee around things or I use tea leaves for this and that, a lot of the old tales that I got from mum and she got from her mum. And then in terms of aphids and all that, we just, often pull, them, just yeah. pull them all off and, you know, and in the end, you know, the flowers will come out. Yes, you'll lose some, but the more you have, I figure greater chance of more flowers. So that's how I try and beat everything. I just put in more. (laughs) Hence my craziness in my garden. And it is a joy. You know, I think I have 10 or 12 cherry blossoms now. So come spring, there's these big canopies because they remind me of when I would go to Japan to see the sakura, to see the cherry blossoms flowering. So I kind of tried to bring the world back into my garden because I couldn't travel with little kids. Love this. i try and recreate this garden that reminded me of the world as well. So in autumn it's beautiful with all the leaves. It could be Hyde Park, you know, or cute gardens. And I love England. My heart's in an English garden, so I just try and recreate that (laughs) in my back garden. Do you know the Monty Don show? Monty Don, yes. So he just went to France in his little car. I know. I thought, I want one of those. (laughs)
0: I, yes. so when we moved to Warrandyte, I said to my partner that I would, I like wanted to watch the Monty Don show and yeah. get lots of
1: inspiration and yeah. he gently let me know that in Warrandyte it probably wouldn't happen. It's different soil and it's tricky yeah. because it's like, it's similar to Elton, isn't it? You've got the big euclipse, yeah. you know, and yeah, I think you need to work with what you've got. So at the back half of my house, there would be a 30 foot gum tree. And I don't even try and compete, you know. I give her all the space she needs. If anything, I'll put a few natives underneath because I know they go well together. But I completely leave her alone. And she's beautiful. She's majestic. But I, I, I respect her, you know. And the birds love her. She's a flowering gum, mm. beautiful red flowering gum. And behind her is a white flowering gum, and all the parrots come yeah. when she's out, and it's just a riot. It's fabulous. You know, they're so noisy. It's wonderful. You know, it's really lovely. And then all the fruit bats come as well, and they hop on in September. So it's it's like a zoo. <laughs> it's like a zoo. But that's the back of the house, and um, yeah, it's it's unexpected. You walk in, and this massive trees. Wow. Yeah, um, but the sun still gets in to grow the flowers. That's incredible. Yeah, it's beautiful. So I think you
0: answered my question about if you were to have a garden in another part of the world, mm.
1: where would it be and why? I struggle with Australian summers because they are so much hotter now. Yeah. And if I were to have a garden somewhere else, it would be, yes, in the United Kingdom because I love, the, you know, the scent of a garden rose, the sweet peas, the lily of the valley the daffodils, all those beautiful flowers that can grow and they don't need to worry about the heat over no, there. But come our summertime, you know, I, all, all my gardener friends are the same. They're oh, always watching the weather and if it's going to be 40 degrees, you just go out and you pick everything and then you often will put it out in the front, please take or just give it away because, you know, it will last better indoors than it will on the shrub. Yeah, it's um, really tough. I remember a few years ago I said, oh, I'm done. I can't. I just cannot compete. So I shut my garden down over summer and just the roses will keep going, but I don't really put in anything to compete with that. I mean, there's some pin cushions, foxgloves, but they'll finish soon. Poppies will finish soon. And I don't really, I mulch it all and really just kind of keep the water up to it. I've yeah. got a massive water tank, so that's, that's fantastic. That's full and that goes on. And I water morning and night just to stay on top of it. My good friend is the head gardener at the Heidi Gardens. Really? Yeah, she's beautiful, Alice, and she's just a joy. And she came to visit my garden and, and what she noticed, she said, wow, she said, there's a real microclimate in here. Everything's so much cooler. She came in and because there are that many trees around us and all different levels of gardening and layers. And I'd never thought about it that way, but yeah, she was right. And, you, and on a hot day, it's much cooler around my house. There's all the trees. I think there's maybe at least 15 Japanese maples in all of that as well. Wow. Yeah, Gladizia Sunburst. There's a 25 year old Gladizia Sunburst that we have long lunches under because her branches come down and meet the ground. It's beautiful. It's like a you know, this big bridal veil, and she comes down, and then we often set up the table. And have, you know, food because so I think it's beautiful eating outside. I yeah. love eating outside and just to try and be connected with nature as much as possible. Yeah, I love eating outside yeah. as
0: well. Have you found that you've got any tips for mosquitoes and
1: certain plants? Oh, I, I would love to know if anyone <laughs> is listening out there. Who yeah, like, the I was like, maybe I can ask a, a really practical question. I would love to know. Is I think they only, it's only the female mosquitoes that bite, I think. Yeah. I would love to know the answer to that. I'm This year, they're bad. They're I've bad. Noticed. They're really bad. So I was thinking, you know, I try and empty a lot of water if I have water mm. lying around in pots. There's
0: no magic plant that you've discovered that. I wish there was. Yeah, that would be great.
1: Because instead it's like, ow, ow, ow. Yeah. <laughs> ow. Yeah, we're just tea tree, spray on the tea tree or whatever. It yeah. Can.
0: If you want to plant bulbs and mm. sort of lush English flowers, yeah. would you say that, you know, I... you can start building up the soil as of now? Always.
1: George taught me you always need to be working on the soil. Yeah. Always. So your compost, adding your compost know, buying bags of mushroom compost, adding that in. And George talks about always getting the air through your soil. And a tip my grandfather taught me, he was a big gardener, he would go fishing and bring back the seaweed from the sea and just throw it on his garden. So that's what i do mm. as well. I cut it up and just put seaweed throughout my garden.
0: I give seaweed to my indoor green plants They yes. love. Yes, yes. To yes. keep them, like, really green, like...
1: Yeah, fiddle leaf
0: over there, but I didn't know about outside.
1: Yeah, so I would. I mean, I'm just just copying my granddad because his soil was beautiful and George said to me, ah, oh, Patricia, that's good, that's good, that's good. <laughs> so if George says it's good, and I know some plants, like you know some like your Daphnis and your Azaleas and your Rhododendrons, they like a certain type of soil. So I, I tend to just leave them alone but I'll throw it everywhere else. Yeah. But I think, yeah, it's you're only as good as the soil you have to work with. Mm. So I bring in a lot of my, like I'll go, if I'm at Bunnings, I'll pick up an extra bag of mushroom compost or compost and mix it through and I do my own compost as well. But in terms of your bulbs that you bring in every year, the farm has done all the work for you, so all the goodness is already in that one bulb. So you literally just have to put them in the ground and that's it. You'll, You'll get beautiful tulips. So, and I treat my tulips as annuals because only some varieties will come back. And so they say, you know, you pull them up, you put them in the fridge, you do all this, but it's actually only some varieties that we will reflower.
0: Oh, that's interesting.
1: Yeah. So, yeah. Um,
0: what months
1: do you plant? Or your bulbs in melbourne so in melbourne i put them in from april to may but again it it's just quite early i, I was yes, i was expecting it to yes. be later than that well you can put them it depends really on how cool it's been we really mm. need to the earth really needs to cool down so i think two years ago i put them in early june because we needed to wait for the earth to cool this is what all the growers were telling me oh. just hold right back they said um, so if we've had a cool autumn, then you can put them in April, May. But if not, you just need to wait. They don't mm. like going into the warm soil, you know. You know the thing I learnt about tulips the other day, which I found fascinating, you know, they originated in Turkey. And the really? turban, yeah, the turban on the head. And that's well, how they the Well, it's the symbol of Istanbul. Yeah, and that's how they got the name tulip. But then the Dutch took the tulip and claimed it as their own.
0: It's the word is lale in Turkish. Oh,
1: beautiful. Beautiful. Lale, which
0: is, yeah, it's a symbol of Istanbul. So wow. it's, if you're in Istanbul and you yeah. see, like, the Lale, like, on all, you know, the road signs and, yes. like, all of their sort of beledier. I don't know how to say that in English. It's just like mm. I don't even know how to say that in English. But anyway, yeah. on all the, yeah. like, the, how they communicate through, you know, signs and, you know, anything that you see, bus stations, it's mm. always the Lale, the, the Chilop.
1: How beautiful. Yeah. Because it was their flower and then the Dutch took it because at one stage it was worth yeah, there was. So- Millions. Yeah. You know, but the, the the most, it was worth a years of wages to have it's that one It's so bulb. incredible. It's fascinating. Yeah. And then the Dutch claim them as theirs. You know, they're a fascinating flower. Yeah, they, they are. They really are.
0: Really delicate, but also kind of hardy. Yes. As in terms yes. of the bulbs. Yeah. You know, a lot of bulbs can be quite fussy. Yes. Yes. To even get them to do what you want them to yes. do. Whereas the, tul- yes. the tulips
1: seem to always just yep. be there. Yeah. They'll come up. And they used to eat them as well. Yeah. You can eat them. They kind of taste like an onion. Um, wow. And that is a challenge that when I put them in the ground, um, the rats love them. <laughs> really? Yes, and they're like, oh, two down, three down, four down, five down. So that's, again, if you put in 4,000, you're going to have a <laughs> 10% <laughs> Yeah, margin. 10% margin. <laughs> um, what do you think about bearded irises and just irises? Oh, stunning. My florist and gardener tribe friends, we call it the iris virus. And they're definitely making a comeback. Oh, I,
0: my parents, I grew up with them, and my mum, when I was in yes, primary school, she, yeah. you know, get the old-fashioned catalogues. Yes, where yes. you order them all, and now that's me. Yeah, definitely, it's true happiness. I've become that person. It's
1: <laughs> fantastic, and their colours and their forms, and it's yeah. true. They say it's an illness. I just started two years ago, and they now are addictive. They're addictive, and they're stunning. And I think a lot of those beautiful old-fashioned flowers are coming back yeah, and that's what I try and do in my garden as well. Like I've planted all these canterbury bells. I love the canterbury bells and all the old-fashioned flowers, the larkspurs, the delphiniums that you would find in your grandma's garden. I would love to bring them back. Yeah. That's what I'd love to do. But gardens take time and I understand, you know, a lot of people don't want to give that time to a garden. I understand that. Mm -hmm. Well,
0: if you ever feel like giving private gardening lessons, I
1: would pay you to help me with my garden. I'll just come and have a look. We can have cups of tea. But the first thing I ask when people say, you know, I say, well, what do you want out of a garden? You know, what is it you, you would like? It? Would you like a beautiful space to sit in to have a cup of tea? Would you like a fragrant garden? So you're having your mm. cup of tea and you can smell orange blossom wafting in the wind or you can orange smell Orange blossom daphne. for me Sicily. <gasps> yes. Absolutely, and the memories. Mm. It reminds me of Valencia down the main street. Yeah. And just the memories that a a garden can evoke for you.
0: Yeah. Um, I think I'm like you. I like the old-fashioned English mm. gardens. I'm less into arid natives. I'm very into the pop of colour and, like, the quaint garden where you can sit and
1: have your tea or whatever. Yeah, have your cup of tea and watch the leaves change colour watch yep. the first little crocus come out and smile or even just one daffodil. Yeah. Even one daffodil. It's like, oh, hello, winter's yep. almost over, you know, they, they herald springs. Oh, hello. <laughs> yeah, it's the best. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love anything garden related. Oh, I'm so glad food. I came across you.
1: Yeah, I'll come and help you garden, darling. The other beautiful thing, I think they're really good healing places. Yeah. Well you know, a place to heal and... Agreed. ...and healing gardens. I think there's a big movement happening at the moment yeah. around that, you know.
0: Thank you so much for being on the podcast. I know it was really last minute, but, yeah, I'm really happy that we managed to make this happen before the end of the year.
1: Ah, you're so welcome and thanks for inviting me. It's been fabulous talking to you and... And you. We'll do our garden adventure. Yeah, i actually <laughs> just going to ask you if I could come into your garden at some Absolutely. Point. You're always welcome.
0: Thank you. Yay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to my conversation with Petrina on the Cleopatra's Bling podcast. For more information on Petrina, follow her on Instagram at Petrina Blooms. Flowers are an ongoing inspiration for my collections at Cleopatra's Bling. In particular, those that are iconic to the Australian suburban landscape. To get a taste, take a look at the Alice Earrings, part of our Wildflower Poetry Collection. These are inspired by the wisteria that drapes the verandas of Melbourne's homes and fills the summer evenings with its sweet scent. They are also named for my right-hand woman, Cleopatra's Bling's beloved Alice. This podcast was produced by Zoltan Fetcho and the Cleopatra's Bling team with original music by Cameron Alvar. If you liked the show, share it with a friend and leave us a few stars on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you're signed up to the newsletter on cleopatrasbling.com to keep up with the newest updates on all things Cleopatra's Bling. Until next time, stay curious.